This is the final word, Pakistan Daily, coming to you from Islamabad, Rawal Pindi, uh, the Pindi International Cricket Stadium. It was uh, not a day for Australia. Uh, it was a day when we had some entertaining things happen on our end as well, but we'll leave that for the Hall of Fame. We've got to talk about the cricket first. I'm Jeff Lemon. Adam Collins is going to tell you all about a whole day's test cricket in the space of 30 seconds. I'm going to try. Uh, Pakistan won the toss, elected to bat and made the absolute most of it on a road, on a feather bed. Uh, Australia turned to spin in over eight and that told the full story. Australia played three quicks in a spinner. It didn't appear to be the right configuration when Travis Head was bowling after 70 minutes. They used three part-time spinners. Imam Al-Haq took full advantage of all of that. He finishes the day on 132. Not out, I think. His first test century, stylish, gutsy at times. He took the bowling on, loved his work. Uh, Abdullah Shafiq early on uh, made 44, the only wicket to fall. That was just before lunch, courtesy of Nathan Lyon. And uh, Azar Ali, uh, the old-timer, former captain, 37 years of age. He's still there on 60-odd at the close of play. That pair have put on 140 or thereabouts. One for 245 at the close of play. I've blown out the 30 seconds, but hey, we've blown out, of, uh, blown out other things today as well, which, as you say, we'll come to later. Yeah, you look at a bit of rust is okay uh, to start things off, to start a series. First 30 seconds summary for a while yep. um, I didn't think Australia's quicks looked that rusty I thought Mitchell Stark looked pretty good with yep. the new ball uh, I, thought, I mean Pat Cummins looked really threatening at times and yet I don't know what it was I don't know if it was panic or if it was them second guessing themselves but Travis Head coming on after 17 overs on day one of a test match when you've left two specialist spinners in the sheds it, even at that point it seemed like why why go to your part-time spinner ahead of your frontline quicks if you've picked them then then surely they've got to be able to offer something. Yeah, I think it was on account of the fact that Lyon got it ragging early on. So there's a bit going on here, right? So Australia didn't get a chance to look at the pitch yesterday because it rained. Two days ago, the pitch was being covered up because they didn't want it to get overly baked because three days ago, they could have played on it. Now, with that combination of factors, it feels to me like even if you're thinking about day four, day five, you're thinking, well, in all probability, it's going to be a great opportunity to, to play a second spinner but they've gone with the tried and true three and one and I get that by the way on the basis that you've got three quite outstanding fast bowlers it's not like like three run of the mill or two good bowlers and a, mm-hmm. this is three superstars in, in Cummins the captain Hazelwood yeah. fit again and Stark who had a fantastic Asher series had a claim to being player of that series so I get what they were thinking but it feels like the, the observations we heard from the camp about the, the practice pitches not spinning at training well the Practice pitches are still green. Uh, the the, the mm-hmm. pitch in the middle is not green. So they might have just overthought that one. Uh, and um, you know, I was watching Mitchell Swepson bowl uh, at the lunch break for an hour. Friday prayers and extended lunch break. And he was ragging them three feet. So like just issuing a reminder that whenever there's a 50-50 call, they seem to go the other way on Swepson. And uh, I, I do worry a bit for him in terms of the pressure that will be on his mm. shoulders at some point, given they've not really given him a vote of faith as yet to play him in a situation like this. I think it's easy to get stuck into a team is saying they've selected wrongly if things haven't gone their way on the first day. Like you say, the quality of that three-pronged pace attack yeah. is so good that you almost have to pick it. And and almost why wouldn't you? It's Australia's comparative advantage. They're, they're backing that strength and they're saying that, you know, Pakistan only have two genuine quicks available to pick. 
on the flip side, Pakistan only having two genuine quicks available to pick. <laughs> Should have been a sign. <laughs> might have been a sign that they knew something that Australia didn't know. The fact that Pakistan, they were unlikely to pick Mohammed Wasim Jr. to be a third seamer. They were they always looked likely with their squad configuration to have at least two spinners. In the end, they basically got three because they've got Iftikhar Ahmed, who's yeah. a, a spinning all-rounder, you know, who's, who's, who bats probably slightly more than he bowls, but he's still a, a genuine spinning option. So they've got three spin options that they'll have to throw at the Australian once Pakistan actually get to bowl. And, yeah, I thought maybe they could have read into that a little more. Pakistan went rushing other quick bowlers into the squad. No, put it that way. No, that's right. And, I mean, with, with Iftikhar, he, he is, um, he's not Travis Head, if you know what I mean. He's more of a frontliner. Travis yeah. Head hasn't got a test wicket. And, yes, he spins the ball prodigiously when bowling for South Australia. No doubt about that. But there's a gap between how much he gets the chance to hone that. Mm. Um, so you're asking a lot of a guy um, to perform yeah. the role. He only bowled three overs, by the way, but it was symbolic. But as it, it was with Nathan... Guy, if the guy with the ball is more than Travis Head and Manus Labuschagne and Steve Smith put yeah, together... Yeah, that's kind like of what he, I'm steering He's, a, he's an actual bowler. Yeah, that, that, that's right. And there are other moments. So it's not just the head moment. It's the, the fact that they, they delay taking the second new ball. Other end of the day, they delay taking the second new ball. They use it for three overs and bring Nathan Lyons straight back on. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just... It's as though they realised pretty early on in the piece that, you know, Houston, we have a problem. Mm -hmm. And and they've been trying to patch it up thereafter. And only taking one wicket on the day, any team that takes one wicket on a day of test cricket is going to be chasing their tail for the other days. So Mm -hmm. in order for Australia to to prize something out of this, they need everything to go right tomorrow. And they'll already have to start thinking about occupying the crease for, you know, five-ish sessions when they bat the first time around. And Australia haven't needed to do that too often. And they haven't played in these conditions too often in recent years. Yeah, a bit of Rick Finlay's stadage was that Australia's never started a series with two consecutive century partnerships against them. Right. So, you know, yeah, back okay. to back, that's what happened bit, with, yeah. with Abdullah Shafiq, who was, who was bright, who was sprightly, um, who got undone in the way that a 22-year-old who's already hit 1-6 in his innings might come undone, which is trying to hit another one and, and, and holding out, just sort of skying it up towards mid-on. But it, there, was, there was positivity. So Imam and, uh, and Abdullah Shafiq each hit a six in their partnership. So early, you know, first session, day one, they were still happy to go after the spinners um, and try to put them over the rope. Uh, so it, they were positive, you know. It wasn't. It wasn't just kind of get out there and grind it out. There was there was life to the batting immediately. Yeah, and this isn't the MCG in, in terms of ground size. Real Pindi is quite small, and mm. our commentary position you can kind of feel like on this balcony you can touch the the fast bowlers as they start their run at this end. But you're right, it's the intent, it's the the desire to use the feet. Just to go back to Shafiq for a moment, he's playing his sixth first class game yep. we mentioned yesterday he's played now in his third test match yeah. but he, he reminded me of Shubham Gill in many respects I mean that is bold cricket and not just when he took on Lyon either I'm, I'm talking just as much about the way that he got into position to punch the ball hard behind point mm-hmm. he's got he's got game that guy so yeah. um, credit to the Pakistan selectors for, for backing in a young bloke there and then let, let's let's spend some time thinking about Imam Al-Haq shall we I mean a guy who got the last spot in the team yep. ahead of Shah Massoud remember Shah Massoud no more than, oh gosh, was it 18 months ago? Rattled off three consecutive hundreds in Test cricket. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy can, he's got the runs on the board literally as a Test opener. Imam Al Haq until today does not. His highest score in 11 Test matches was his 76 at Dubai Sports City against Australia nearly four years ago. Yeah. I mean, he's been left out of Test cricket since late 2019 when he was no match for Australia's seamers in Australia. 
Nothing pointed towards him playing on that basis other than some mm. excellent domestic form here in Red Bull cricket in the and, last few months. He's also the sort of player that a lot of Pakistan fans get stuck into because he's the nephew of Intamar Mulhak. Yeah. They say, oh, he's only getting picked because it's favouritism and so on. But you know, he was important in 2018 against Australia. He seems to have a thing for playing Australia because he's, he's turned around and, and done it again today. And he was so solid through the day. The only sort of glitch was coming through the 90s. He did get bogged down for a very long time. Yep. He was obviously worried about getting there and that was getting in his head. He was getting a bit frustrated when he was patting balls to cover and then smacking his pad and, you know, getting annoyed that he couldn't get there. But he did in the end. Um, he played some lovely drives down the ground, played through the covers really well, played off his legs, did everything he needed to do and most importantly, batted six hours and batted through the day. If we didn't have a rolled gold Hall of Fame nominee, I'd be saying my nomination uh, is uh, his century celebration. As uh, Pete Lawler described on, on the radio broadcast, it was David Warner to begin with that was the big sort of jump in the air fist mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. And then he, he took a moment, a, almost like a solemn moment, uh, before bowing down and kissing the turf and praying. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you love to see that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and you can hear the azan, the call to prayer, <laughs> echoing around right now. It's been a big part of the day. The, the, the Friday prayers meant that uh, most of the crowd wasn't in for the first session, mm-hmm. uh, but then came streaming in afterwards. The, the long break, the long lunch break for the Friday prayers. So it's sort of culturally, we've been immersed in what is Pakistan religiously as, as well as so in, in sporting terms that we've seen out on the field and that was borne out by Imam bowing and touching his forehead to the turf. Yeah and look we, we said in our preview yesterday that Australia have won three test matches in Pakistan I mean there was a lot of, of, uh, of energy expended saying well you know Australia look at them they're full strength they're just too mm. good not in these conditions they haven't played in the subcontinent since 2017 so yeah. Today's a bit of a reality well, 2018 check. In, in the UAE. But, that's not, but that's not, that, that is different again, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think of this as being distinct from the UAE. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it looks it, pretty UAE at times today, like the sort of just bat big, bat long, you know, relatively easy batting conditions early and just plough through for a couple so, of Maybe so, but what that doesn't factor in is the extraordinary home support here and, and yeah. Yeah, being at home that has an extra element yeah. to it, which Pakistan never enjoyed when they were, were basing themselves in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. And, so, what, and what felt different was when we were there in 2018. Remember how uh, Pakistan would grind Australia for a couple of sessions and then the Australians would take a few wickets in the third session and sort of get their way back into it that's what Pakistan didn't allow allow them to do today that's the bit that felt most important is there was no there were no couple of quick wickets before stumps all right Jeff let's uh, let's power on through to the Hall of Fame then shall we I mentioned uh, I think Azraeli's score wrong by the way he finished on as I looked down at my Mm. notes 64 not out we've we've glossed over him but yeah 37 years of age no longer the captain but uh, still uh, an important contributor loves playing in Pakistan uh, more power to him. I hope he goes through and makes a ton tomorrow. Little nomination first up is the fact that George Bailey, the chair of selectors, is running laps of the field. When's the last time you saw a, a selection chair doing fitness laps, going round and round the rope um, after play? Uh, yeah, he was here having a chat with Cummins and McDonald about the team before the toss. And, and speaking of uh, chairman of selectors, of course, Rob Marsh passed away today. We, we should note that. Uh, we, we mentioned it on the podcast the other day, and we might do so more, more extensively on the weekly show uh, next week. But a, a true giant of Australian cricket across more than five decades. He committed his life to developing cricketers after he finished playing a distinguished career himself uh, and he was of course uh, in- integral to a number of these players careers when he was uh, the chairman of selectors so uh, um, our, our condolences to the Marsh family the um, the real Hall of Fame work that we'll have to do now it's, so if you're if you're watching this on the video you'll get it if you're listening on audio okay we're on a, a narrow balcony out the front of the commentary boxes and Adam was determined that his commentary position would be on the balcony so so he, we, we had some people at the ground help build 
build a, a platform. It's basically like propped up on milk crates, sort of Brunswick Sharehouse style. It's not a plinth, put it that no, way. No, <laughs> um, and, and they put the table and so on on that. And that was all going great until the end of the day um, when I was just trying to squeeze past to get down the end of the balcony uh, for my own purposes. And, and I was just shuffling past Adam and, and, and Izzy. And it, the, let's say the platform can hold two people, but it can't hold three. The it entire, can't hold Jeff. <laughs> the entire thing collapsed mid-broadcast. The TV screen nearly fell off. Adam caught it. The, the table's now on about a 40-degree lean. All Let me try the kit and get out of the way. If you're on the video, you might be able to... If I bend backwards yeah. like that, like uh, Imam Al-Huck getting underneath a bouncer. And so um, <laughs> the whole thing collapsed mid-commentary. And Adam and Izzy Westbury did not break stride. They just kept on going. Uh, talk us through the moment from your perspective. Well, uh, I think when I, I realised we were in strife, it wasn't the first time on the day that the TV screen was in jeopardy when Waka Yunus, when Mitchell Stark, look at our angle here, Jeff. You might want to show that we're right behind the bowler's arm for a left arm over operator from the broadcast end. Now, that TV screen nearly fell off the balcony when Mitchell Stark was in operation. Imagine the scenes. If that had fallen off and got in the eye of the batsman, uh, it would have been Imam Al-Haq on strike at the time. Uh, and, and if not for Waka Yunus's safe hands, he loved playing test cricket here. More wickets than anyone uh, at this ground in his storied playing career, but uh, a great pair of mitts and uh, saved a disaster there. But there was nothing um, There was nothing that would save the Governor-General. No, there was nothing that was going to save uh, the, 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 the stack of milk crates when Jeff put his big size 17 through it. Um, and somehow Izzy managed to um, have the presence of mind to take a couple of photos through the middle of the whole thing, so we'll put them online. I think you did as well, Jeff. Uh, and the TV was just intact and we got to the end of the over and, and threw to a break and, and got it got our act together so um, our PCB colleagues will be um, pre- uh, preparing a, a new a new bench for us tomorrow I suspect <laughs> something that can handle uh, my my physical health hopefully because who knows uh, it needs to be able to handle three that's what we're all about on the final word I think that's it for it us is it. It it's, is it. uh, it's final word Pakistan daily uh, who thought we'd be able to say that because here we are in Pakistan uh, Karachi up next Lahore after that but this test match uh, will continue We'll be here every day of the test match on the Pakistan Daily. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night. I had to go about it.